Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. You wake up out there. I'm tearing the stage up. Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we were doing it anyway. Hey, got one good announcement. If you park behind the building or at the Shannara Yoakum property, you won't be able to do that any longer after this week because they're going to be working on a new parking lot over there. Okay? So now that's something that's, that's very good. So we're really glad about that. Thank you. Thank you over there. Hey, take your Bibles, turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We've gone through the entire book of Galatians. And uh, so if you're here for the first time, you're thinking, Oh, great. It's the conclusion, and I missed the first five chapters. Let me very briefly tell you what's going on. Galatia was not a church. It wasn't a city. It was a region of the Roman Empire. Paul's writing to churches in this entire region. There's one big issue that they're talking about, and the issue is basically this. How are you saved? And Paul's argument was you were saved by grace through faith alone. But there was a group of very conservative Jewish Christians in the church who are arguing, yes, you need Jesus and the cross, but you also have to follow all the Jewish laws and regulations in order to be saved. Paul's argument, though, is that Christ has set you free from all of those things. He said the law cannot make you good. The purpose of the law is to show you what is good and to show you what is bad, but it can't make you good or bad. Only Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross can do that. So he calls us to live a free life in Christ, free from the burdens uh, of the things that used to hold us down. So with all that said, turn over to Galatians chapter 6. Reading an interesting story in the paper this week about a Filipino fisherman. He found what he thought was a a piece of coral. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, He put it in his boat, took it home, uh, put it in a bag, threw it under his bed, uh, and he kept it there for 10 years. He's moving, and as he's moving, he's, he's trying to get some stuff out and everything. And so he asked the lady that lived next door to him, do you mind holding this piece of coral I found uh, uh, in the ocean until I get a new place? And she said, no, I'll be glad to. Well, she worked for the Filipino uh, uh, Historical Museum. She began to look at this piece and said, this isn't coral. She began to do some research, took it down to where she worked. And what they found out is this man had the single largest pearl ever known in the history of man. Got a picture of it right there. It is now at a museum uh, uh, in, in the Philippines. That is the largest pearl that was ever discovered in history. Now think about this. For 10 years, this man had something that valuable under his bed and never even realized it. Now I'll tell you that this morning. Because as we get into Galatians chapter 6, one of Paul's arguments is really simple. He's saying, you have one of the greatest gifts you could ever have in your life. You have been set free by what Jesus did on the cross. And yet we never use our freedom. We still try to live as if we're in bondage to our sins and to being good and to our old way of life. And Paul is trying to call us out of that to live a life of true freedom in the Lord. So look over to Galatians chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And the first thing we see is this. The message of grace frees us from selfishness to care for others. So we have now been saved, but we're not saved to think about ourselves any longer. We've we've conquered all of those things. We can now care about others. Look at verse 1. 
of Galatians 6. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Now, in Galatians 6, Paul actually gives seven different imperatives, seven different things he thinks we need to be doing. He's kind of throwing in everything at the end of the letter here. I've written the letter now. Now I'm throwing in everything else I'm thinking about. But it still goes along uh, with the general tone of the letter. And so the first thing he says is this. Now that we're free in Christ, one of the things we need to be doing with our freedom is helping and encouraging others, especially when somebody messes up. If somebody messes up, what we need to be doing is encouraging them to get back on the right path, to restore them gently, he says. But then he goes on and says, watch yourselves so that you're also not tempted. Now, here's the problem Paul's talking about here. So someone is doing something wrong, a Christian is behaving in a way they shouldn't behave, doing things they shouldn't be doing. What's our reaction? Our reaction shouldn't be to condemn them or tell them they're bad or, or, uh, uh, or to judge them. Our reaction should be to gently try to restore them to the right path, to try to bring them where they should be. What happens if we don't do that? What happens if someone is, is uh, doing something wrong and we know it and we ignore it? Well, one thing, if they don't know they're doing something wrong, we're allowing them to continue in a pattern without helping them. Another thing is that we're accepting what they're doing if we're not saying anything. And a third thing that can happen is if we're not doing anything, we can fall into the same temptation ourselves. So he encourages people to help those who are not living the right kind of life to restore them gently. He goes on in verse 2 and says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So he goes from restoring people when they're not living the right way to carrying each other's burdens. And really, that's the bigger picture of what he's talking about. What we need to be doing with our freedom is not worrying about ourselves, not fighting our sins every day, not trying to be a good person. What we need to be doing with our freedom is carrying one another's burdens. You're now free. Your sins are forgiven. You've been made right with God. You're going to heaven for all eternity. He's talked about all these things earlier in the book of Galatians. So now our goal is to care for other people, to carry each other's burdens. But it's interesting how verse 2 ends. He says, not only should we just carry each other's burdens, this fulfills the law of Christ. So we think of the Bible as having all these laws and all these rules and all these regulations. But in Matthew 26, Jesus said everything in the law and everything in the prophets is summed up in loving God and loving other people. And that's exactly what Paul is saying in Galatians 6. Carry one another's burdens, and when you do that, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. What Jesus is trying to teach us, what he's trying to show us, what the whole Bible is telling us is how to love and care about other people. So we need to be carrying one another's burdens. So think about people in your life, people in your family, neighborhood, work. Who are people today that are hurting, uh, people that are having problems, uh, people that are lonely, uh, people that are having, having health issues. What are things that you can do to help carry someone else's burden? You see, we think of, of being a good Christian as not doing bad things and, and reading our Bible and giving our money. But what we're called to do is to carry one another's burdens. How are you doing that? Because when you're helping other people and you're carrying their burdens, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, and we don't even think about that as being the law of Christ. This past week, uh, you know, we had those terrible floods in, 
in uh, Louisiana, down in the Baton Rouge area. And one of my wife, Dawn's best friends, uh, her whole house was destroyed, her dad's house was destroyed, her brother's house was destroyed. And uh, after Dawn talked to her on the phone and found out what was going on, she said, well, I've got to do something to help her. She knew she had to be back here on Sunday because she was helping lead the music. She went for three days, her and my son Andrew, and they did nothing but work trying to help out in Louisiana. That's fulfilling the law of Christ when you're carrying someone else's burdens and trying to help them. Paul goes on in verses 3 through 5, though, and he gives us a warning. And the warning is basically this. You are doing these things because you care, not because you're better or superior. Sometimes when we do these things, like if you're, if you're telling somebody they're doing something wrong, we're really judging them instead of trying to help them. Sometimes when we help other people, we think, well, I'm helping you because I'm better than you and I'm, I'm helping somebody else or something like that. So Paul gives us a little warning in 3 through 5 about our motives. Look at verse 3. If anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he's just deceiving himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should also carry his own load. So instead of thinking you're better than somebody else or you're doing this because you're some great Christian, he said you're doing it because you care for people and you understand that you're going to be in this situation at some point yourself. Why do you try to restore someone to the right path when they're not living the way they should? You're trying to do that because you know what? There's going to come a time in your life when you're not on the right path. And if you don't think you're on the right path, you think I'm always doing good, I never mess up, talk to your spouse, okay? They will tell you when you're not on the right path, okay? And it probably won't take very long for them to figure that out. So you're not always going to be on the right path. So you need to be restored gently sometimes yourself. Not only that, I don't care how, self, how strong you are or how self-aware or how, how good you are at doing things. There will come a time when you can't handle life, when life will get the best of you. There'll be an illness. There'll be money problems. There'll be relationship problems. But something will happen where you're going to need somebody else to help you carry that burden. And so what Paul is trying to tell us here is, look, this isn't about you being better than anybody else. It's about all of us looking out for one another and caring and loving one another. And when we do that, we're fulfilling the entire law of Christ. Interesting story uh, this week. There was a, a lady who had been on the, uh, the transplant list for a kidney for almost two years. And she was told she only had a few months to live if she didn't get a kidney. Uh, her name was Brenda Jones. And then Brenda got a call to come to the hospital uh, that a kidney had come in. They were going to do the surgery right away. She got to the hospital, and the doctor was talking to someone else in a room, and he came out, and he saw the, that she saw that the lady in the other room was crying, the 23-year-old lady by the name of Abigail Flores. And Brenda said, you know, is she okay? And the doctor said, well, uh, she's on the transplant list as well, and I told her, she probably has less than a week to live without a transplant. And Brenda sat there for a second and said, the kidney I'm getting, would that help her? And he said, well, I don't know if it would be a match. And she said, can you find out? And he said, well, we need to get you in a surgery. And she said, no, first find out. So they did the test, came back and said, yes, the kidney would be a match. And she said, well, then give her that kidney. And so she did. The young lady is now fine. Brenda Jones went back on the transplant list and got a, got a kidney within less than a month, which was a miracle, because she'd been on the list for a couple of years, and now both of them are doing very well and recovering in the hospital, and that's a picture of them right there. 
That's caring for one another's burdens, looking out for one another. There's going to be times we all need that in our life. Well, Paul goes on, and the next thing he talks about is we're free, but we also reap what we sow, therefore we need to sow in love. Uh, we're free to have do whatever we want in Christ, but we're also going to reap whatever it is we sow. Now, he begins with minister's favorite verse in verse 6. And uh, so I just want to read this to you because this is our favorite verse. Anyone who receives instruction in the Lord, word should share all good things with his instructor. Okay? <laughs> That needs to be the verse of Westport Road Baptist Church right there. Take care of those ministers in the church. Help receive all good things. Now I'll say for me and my family, we've received all good things from you. You all have loved and cared for us unbelievably. And we will end this verse by simply saying thank you for our family because you have really loved and cared for us and helped carry our burdens and been there for us. And we certainly appreciate that very much. Well, he keeps going in verse 7, and he talks about that sowing and reaping. Look down to verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Now, if you weren't here last week for chapter 5, what he talked about in chapter 5 was the fact that, hey, being free is not a license to live any way you want. Being free isn't a license to go sin. I'm free so I can live any way I want, ask Jesus to forgive me, and it's all fine at the end of the day. As a matter of fact, he talked about the fact that the things of the Spirit and the things of the world are so polar opposite that they can't even abide in the same place. And so he says, don't think you can just go out and live any way you want and it not matter to God. He says, in the long run, you're always going to reap what you sow. He goes on in verse 8 and says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that sinful nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So there's a, there's a thing about consequences here. The way you live, the things you do have consequences. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he won't forgive you when you mess up. But we can't think we're going to live any way we want and there be no consequences from it. The words that come out of your mouth have consequences. Uh, if you're speaking words that are angry and hostile and always condemning or gossip or whatever, those words are going to come back to bite you. If you speak words that are loving and caring and helpful and encouraging, that's going to come back to bless you. Your actions are the same way. If you're a very hostile person, if your life is all about you, uh, if it's about money or things, then that's what's going to be important. You'll be a person that will end up with a lot of things and no friends. And uh, so your actions are going to have consequences. And so that's what he's trying to get us to see here, is that the way we live, the things we do, have consequences. God may forgive you, he will. He will be with you every step of the way, but you still are going to have consequences from the way you're living and the things you're doing. There's a story in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania this week. A University of Pittsburgh student was dating a new girl at school uh, that he'd met and he wanted to impress her. So he took her, of course, to eat at a really nice restaurant. He took her to Qdoba there in in, in, in Pittsburgh. And then to impress her, he took her to the roof of the Qdoba and he said, you know what I can do? I can run from this building and jump to the building that's next to us. And I want you to see me do it. Now he'd never done it before, but he was convinced he could. And he was convinced it would really, really impress the girl on his first day. So this is what happened. Uh, he jumped from one building to the next and got caught, as you see, in the middle uh, between the two buildings and couldn't get out. 
The firefighters could not wedge him out as he was caught in the buildings, and so they had to go into the Qdoba and do this. They had to literally cut a hole in the wall in the Qdoba to get him out, and there is now a sign on the Qdoba that says, closed because idiot tried to impress girlfriend. So she may forgive him, but there were still consequences for his behavior. And what God wants us to know is that there are consequences for our behavior, the way we live, and the things that we do. Keep reading uh, in our scripture passage down to verse 9. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's not become weary in doing good. That's kind of a strange phrase. Why would we become weary in doing good? Because if the Christian life becomes centered around carrying each other's burdens and doing good, sometimes that becomes wearying because we're not seeing immediate results. If you're trying to live by being good and following the law, you see an immediate result. I either succeeded or I failed in trying to follow this law. So if I said I'm being tempted here and I fought the temptation off and succeeded, I'm a good person, I see an immediate result. In the same way, if you're living after the sinful nature, there are immediate results. If I'm doing this thing, I get an immediate gratification. It doesn't mean that, that later on you're not going to feel guilty and there's consequences, but you feel an immediate gratification. But if your life is about loving and doing good for other people, sometimes you don't immediately see the consequences of that. You don't immediately see the result, and so you begin to think, is this really doing anything? It's a, it's a lot more uh, up in the air. And so he says, don't grow weary in doing good, because at the right time, that good that you're doing will reap a harvest. We, we might not see it immediately. It might not be, I do something for you, and immediately there's a reaction back. But that good that we're doing does begin to spread. There is a harvest that comes from it. He goes on in verse 10 and says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So we're called to do good to all people to not grow weary in well-doing. If you want to know how to live a life of freedom in Christ, it really is about your whole perspective. Is your perspective this? I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to try not to do anything bad. I'm going to fight my sin. And at the end of the day, I'll make a checklist of the good and bad things I've done and decide whether or not I was a good Christian today. Or are you getting up in the morning and saying, I'm forgiven, I'm free, Christ loves me. Today I'm going to go out and look for every opportunity to do good. Literally what Paul said. Are you looking for every opportunity to do good? And when you do that, he said earlier, you fulfill the entire law of Christ. So don't grow weary in doing good. You will reap a harvest in the long run. There was a lady... Uh, in Rock Hill, Missouri, by the name of Cynthia Tipton. And Cynthia's uh, son uh, has, is, is, uh, is autistic. And she said they were at this restaurant, Bandana's Barbecue. And her daughter, who was older, was, was teasing her son. And her son kind of lost control, began to yell and scream. And uh, we're told that she got up, went over to the boy, knelt down and said, Honey, you're being loud. And he kept screaming and everything. And she said, Your sister was just kidding. Your sister loves you. And he kept screaming. And she put her arms around him and said, Mama loves you too. Your sister loves you. And after a minute or two, he finally calmed down. The manager of the restaurant came over and Cynthia said she knew what was going to happen. 
he was going to ask them to leave because they'd been asked to leave other restaurants before. And the manager came over and handed him the bill and said, the couple that just left uh, wrote something on your bill and they wanted you to see it. They not only wrote something on the bill, they paid the bill, and this is what they wrote on it. Ha, we couldn't help but notice what a great mother you are and what a beautiful family you have. God bless you. So there you have somebody looking for an opportunity to do good. What can I do in this situation? We have a mother doing the best she can with a boy that is clearly uh, hurting and, and reacting. What can I do to encourage them? I'm going to pay their bill, and I'm going to write a note of encouragement. Cynthia put that on Facebook. It then went viral, and uh, people began reading that, and that story began to go out. Nobody knows who that family was. They weren't doing it so somebody would know who they were. They were doing it, taking opportunity to do good in every situation. Well, our scripture goes on, and Paul ends the book of Galatians in verses 11 through 18. And basically what he says is this. In freedom, it's your motive that matters more than anything else. You see, you may do some things in freedom that are the exact same things you would do in bondage to the law and sin, but your motive behind it becomes entirely different. And so what Paul's going to do when he ends the book of Galatians is he's going to compare the motives of his enemies, those he are, he's fighting against here, against his own motives and show how one is pure motives and the other is not. So let's see how he does that in verse 11. He starts out and says, Look at what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now, Paul almost never wrote his own letters. He'd always have a scribe uh, that would write the letters for him. And occasionally, Paul would write a line or something himself uh, just so they would know that, that it was him. And in most of the letters, Paul tells who the scribe is. He might say, Paul with Timothy or something like that because Timothy's uh, uh, actually uh, taking down the notes. But he says here, okay, now I'm writing with my own hand, and you see it's big letters because we, we, we believe Paul had this eye problem uh, his whole life, and so he's writing with big letters. He's putting a John Hancock on it. This is literally me writing here. He says, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. So he talks about the group of very conservative Jewish Christians who say you need to follow the, the law and the regulations. And he goes back to that circumcision topic that we've looked at before in the book of Galatians. And he says, basically, they have two motives. What are the motives of the people I'm arguing against? The first motive is that they just want to look good. Okay? They want people to look at them and think, man, aren't they important? Aren't they doing the right thing? Aren't they good Christians? Are there any Christians today who do things just because they want people to think they're good people and that they're, and that they're really, they're really stand out or something like that? All the time. Have you ever heard, oh, they're better than thou art, they're holier than you are? You know, uh, There's a lot of people who do things just to be seen. Jesus said when you do things to be seen, that's your reward. You got seen for it. Uh, and he said, so their motive is just to be seen. The second motive, he said, is that they just want another, another notch on their belt. They want to say, look, we got another Gentile to be circumcised. Uh, today we'd say, well, we just want to add another baptism or something like that, you know, and not so somebody can be saved in a new relationship with Christ, so we get another check on the, on the thing, get another notch on our belt. And so we do those kind of things. Just want to be seen and just want to uh, uh, be seen as somebody important doing something like that. 
A few years ago, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it's always funny when you go to the Southern Baptist Convention because um, there's a lot of pastors there. And pastors aren't always the, the friendliest people or the, or the nicest people that you would ever meet. And uh, we, we were at the subway there in Atlanta in the metro, and there was a pastor coming on. He was clearly a Southern Baptist pastor. Uh, he had on the, the white shirt, black pants, uh, big belly, uh, tie that came down to here. And uh, everybody was like, you know, following over him as he walked through. And they were saying, you know, here, pastor, we'll get you this and we'll do that. And, you know, he's walking through with that imperial thing, you know, as he, as he walks through there. And then they gave him his subway ticket. And he walked up and he started trying to put his subway ticket in this little hole on the, on the machine. And I, I was already through and I turned around and I said, sir, it's a scan card. Simply put it on the top and it will scan your card. And he turned around and looked at me and went, and he takes his ticket and he keeps jamming it in there even harder. And I said, well, okay then. And, and I turned around and I walked off. When I got on the subway, he was still trying to jam his ticket into the thing because he wasn't going to be seen as someone who didn't know what he was doing. And so he wanted everybody to do that. What Paul is saying here is the only reason these people are doing what they're doing is so that they can be seen and complimented by other people. Paul gets so upset with these people that over in chapter 5, verse 12, he says something interesting to them about this whole matter of persecution and circumcision. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and just emasculate themselves. He says, so if this is what matters to you, circumcision, let's just, let's just uh, go the whole way and, and do that. He is very angry at these people and their motives. All they're trying to do is be seen. Then he compares his motives. And look at what he says about his motives in verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So he says, I'm only going to boast in the cross of Christ. I'm not going to boast in what I do. I'm not going to boast in how many, uh, uh, what my numbers are or, or how big my stats are. I'm only going to boast in Christ because Christ is what matters. He goes on in verse 15 and says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. The only thing that counts is that you're a new creation. All of these rules and regulations and things we use to say whether or not we're a good Christian, Paul says what matters is, are you a new person in Christ? Are you caring for people? Are you loving people? And then he ends and he gives them a real neat blessing. Verse 16, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. And then in verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So Paul here is saying, look, I only want to boast in the cross of Christ. In verse 17, he says, my body bears the marks of following Christ. I'm sacrificing myself and my body so that you can hear about Jesus. His motive is pure. He wants them to have grace, peace, and mercy is what he offers to them. The book of Galatians is interesting because today, even though we talk about grace all the time, we still try to live by the law and we still try to be justified by the law. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work any more now than it did in Paul's day. And Paul calls us to a life of freedom. But a life of freedom isn't that means that you can do anything you want. A life of freedom means I am now free to no longer only think about myself I am now free knowing myself, I'm fine, 
I'm free to love and carry each other's burdens. And that is such a great way to live. Think about it. At the end of the day, if you had a child that grew up, what do you want people to say about your child? Man, you've got a good child. They went to church, gave their offering envelope, and attended Sunday school. They marked every check off. You've got a good kid. Or would you rather somebody say, you've got one of the most loving, caring people I have ever met. Your child is really somebody special by the way they care about other people. What would you want said? Well, guess what? You're God's child. And what God once said about you is that you looked for every opportunity to do good for somebody else. At an Enterprise car dealership in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a lady by the name of Cody Vincent came in to uh, rent a car. Uh, her car had been hit by a hit-and-run driver. It was totally disabled. Uh, she just had twins, and when she got there, she had one twin in one arm, one twin in the other arm. She's trying to rent this car. Both babies are screaming and carrying on. She doesn't have a stroller. Uh, she looks at the guy behind the counter and says, I'm sorry, I can't afford a two-seat stroller, and uh, I don't want to put one in a stroller and the other not, so, so I just try to carry them both. The babies kept going out of control and screaming. It was the very first day for this 22-year-old boy who had just graduated from Oklahoma State University on the job, and he walked out behind the counter, and he picked up one of the kids in his arm, began to sing to the kid, went back and rented the car for the lady. Got a picture of it right here. His name uh, is, uh, is John, John Scarcing. Uh, John played football at Oklahoma State University. Well, Cody Vincent took a picture of it. As you see, she put it on there. The picture, again, went viral everywhere, and all she wrote was this. Be a John. Be somebody that cares about other people. Enterprise Rent-A-Car saw that, and guess what they did? They bought her a two-seat stroller. And for a major multinational corporation, that had to cost them, what, $30? You know? So that, they went out of their way, you know? but they stepped in and and they did that, and now uh, she has gone back, and with her kids, uh, John took them out to lunch last week, and he had an opportunity to go to lunch with the entire family and for them to do that. Now, that might not seem like a whole lot to you, but you know what we're told to do? That in our freedom, to look for every opportunity to do good. Today, you're going to have opportunities to do good. For most of us, we're going to be so busy that we'll miss the opportunity. For a lot of us, we're going to only be thinking about ourselves, and we're going to miss the opportunity. But every day, if you look for it, there will be opportunities for you to do good. And here's the thing. On those days that you're aware enough to actually look around you, to notice, and then to act, on the days that you actually do that, that's the day that you will have fulfilled the entire law of Christ. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for setting us free to not have to fight our own battles every day, but those battles are over and won, and we can now live a life of freedom and doing good. Help us to look for those opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen.
We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.